This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 55. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pascio, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast. Today I'm happy to welcome Calvin Corelli from Simplero to the Baller Circle. Calvin is an artist, entrepreneur, and CEO of a holistically focused, multi-million dollar software company called Simplero. Calvin is passionate about helping online business owners do exactly what brings them most alive and is currently working on branching out to bring all of his talents, including music, spirituality, and personal growth, into an exciting new service for entrepreneurs. So, Calvin, welcome to the show, and uh, I want to know how you're doing today. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to be here. Sounds good. So, when you're talking about this exciting uh, new service for entrepreneurs that brings together uh, all your talents, what, what what is this new service? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, um, well, the form that it's taking currently is I'm doing a video show called The Calvin Show, where okay. we have like two episodes a week talking about all these things. Um Last week we recorded an episode where I walked down to my my butcher uh, across town here in New York, and bought some meat and went back home and made sausage and you know I think we made a drink too or I forget if we did that there but other times we'll make cocktails and and then we'll talk about life and and you know answer people's questions. I got a question today about about money and the relationship with money, which is a huge issue for pretty much everybody. So yeah, just trying to take everything that I've learned in my life so far and 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 bring it up in the service of people. Okay, so you're so so it's, so it's a live show, and then people have an opportunity during the show to uh, to ask questions, or you field questions uh, ahead of time and then answer them on the show. Yeah, the the latter. It's not a live show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sounds good, man. But sounds it might good. take other forms too. It's very I'm very like exploratory and and at, at the time, um, it's like you know how how. I don't know if you know, but a lot of people get into um, what Gay Hendricks calls a zone of excellence, which is where you're you're you know really good at what you do, and you're getting a lot of approval, and you're making good money from it. But it's not really where you fully come alive. That's at the zone of of genius, and that's kind of the transition that I'm going through right now. Is I've been writing software all my life, and I'm really good at that. I'm making good money doing it, but there's something more for me, and that that transition is really. You know, it's it's um, scary. It's challenging. It's very exploratory. It's um, there's no like clear cut path for that. So hmm. interesting. So this yeah. this this show is kind of a way for you to explore all those areas and I guess show it to your audience the the exploration that you're going through. Is that is that part it, of it? is yes. And at the same time, it, you know, encourage other people to go through that same process. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. That's nice. It's a good thing to share. So, 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 someone who's trying to find the uh, the show, how do they how do they go about it? Go to my website at calvincorelli.com. Okay, that's where it is. All right, sounds good. All right, so let's uh, let's pivot a little bit back to um, to Simplero. So, so first, for people who aren't familiar with with Simplero, um, the interesting thing is I actually was having a good conversation with one of my friends uh, last week, and we were talking about. Uh, internet marketing and tools and how there's we were talking about how frustrated we were because there's so many tools out there and it's always hard to figure out like which tool is the best tool and even more so than that which tool actually replaces other tools or even maybe replaces multiple tools Mm -hmm. Um, so I I wanted to get an idea so what exactly is Simplero uh, and and what does it do who is it who is it for 
Right. So it is it is for people who sell information online. So so you know either it's it's like online courses or it can even be like workshops or seminars in person, ebooks, uh, coaching programs, single coaching sessions, anything that you sell that is not like a physical thing that needs to be dumped in the mail and with postage and UPS and whatnot sent somewhere. We try to be the solution for that. And we try to solve everything that you need in that. So from from email, you know, building your email list and email marketing and marketing automation to all the money stuff to delivering the content to the people when they need it to we're just now adding the ability to ha- host your actual website there. Hmm. That's been one one important missing component. Um, and the other w- one piece that most people need that we don't have is is a you know built-in webinar uh, system. So we do want to get that as, at one point as well. But the idea is to do everything that you need and none of what you don't, and just make it work together seamlessly and make it pretty simple, so that you don't have to waste your time trying to like glue different systems together and you don't need a ton of different systems. You can just have one place that does everything. And when you're in trouble, you have one place to reach out to and get help and we'll, we'll be there and help you. Right. Right. I like that. So, so I guess when you think about, um, the tools that are out there, uh, what, what are the, I guess, um, first kind of tools that come to mind that your, your software kind of, uh, bundles together and replaces. Yeah, a lot of our, our customers are coming from something like Infusionsoft or Entreport or ConvertKit or uh, MailChimp or Aweber or um, you know something like a WordPress site with a bunch of plugins that sound like it's going to be way cheaper but end up being a huge you know time and money sink down the road and those kinds of things. Right. Okay. I like that. So let's get into your background a little bit. So you, you created Simplero. You have this awesome, amazing, multi-million dollar company. Where did you grow up and what was life like uh, for you growing up? <laughs> I grew up in Denmark, um, north of Copenhagen, the so-called whiskey belt uh, where <laughs> where the rich people lived. Uh, we were pretty well off. Um, my parents were both of them entrepreneurs. My mom actually started a software company back in 1980 and grew it to about 50 people. Oh, wow. Um, And my dad was a programmer as well. They were both programmers, and so they taught me programming from a very young age. And I always had an aptitude for that. I really liked it. It, I felt in control. I was very socially insecure. I didn't have any friends. I was kind of very shut down, but the computers was a great world for me to be. You know, it was very predictable, and I I was in control. It felt very safe for me, so... So I'd be in at home alone with my computer, or not alone because I had the computer, but <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot. Yeah, huh, that's interesting. So, yeah. so your 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 parents were entrepreneurs. So I'm assuming you got uh, a lot of the entrepreneurial bug from them, just seeing seeing the great things that they were doing, and they taught you programming. So, uh, yeah, you got a you got kind of a, a good uh, good good start off to your business. Was Simplero your first venture, or were there ventures beforehand uh, before you went into Simplero? Not even close to my first venture. No, okay. no. I mean, I, I was, I started doing, I did my first software product probably when I was 12 years old. Okay. It, I only sold three copies, but it still <laughs> made pretty good money for, for a 12 year old. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, I was happy with that. And, but then after, um, kind of after I grew up, if you will, um, I tried my hand at several different companies and none of it was really working. I had a software consulting firm at one point and I knew that I wanted to get into to the product world and it was it was very much a struggle and it was very much a struggle i realized later because i didn't know who i was and i didn't know what i really wanted it was all about it was very you know outside in driven i was basically like 
someone tell me what I need to do to be successful because I just need to be successful. And it wasn't like there was no inner kind of driver other than that, other than the need to to reach some level of success just to feel like I was okay. Hmm. Okay. I like that. So as you're going through this struggle, um, was the idea always to uh, create your own company or at certain points did you work for other uh, companies that you were developing software for? No, it was always um, to create my own company, and and I knew fairly early on as well that I that I wanted it to be a product company. I did work for, well, I both worked for both of my parents' companies for like a you know various like a few months each place, um, and then I had one job here in America. I moved to New York in '99, and got a job for a company called Ars Digita up in Boston. Okay, and I worked for them for about two years, and I learned so much there. <laughs> Funny story was that my first day at the job I moved to New York to work for a company in Boston and my first day at, at the job was in in Zagreb in Croatia because they had a client in Munich but their guy you know who worked on that project he couldn't get a visa for Germany so he was working <laughs> out of their office in, in Zagreb it was at Siemens uh, and so yeah it was my first day at work in my new job in America it was crazy but it was fun <laughs> I learned so much from that experience of like real world right and the company was founded by a guy named Philip Greenspun who won best of the web in 1994 a very early internet entrepreneur and and you know had an office down the hall from Tim Berners-Lee and was teaching a, a computer science course at MIT so it was like perfect for me with that kind of, you know, it wasn't just a fly by night kind of thing. It was like people who knew their stuff. And so I learned so much from from the people who work there. Right, right. That's awesome. So I that kind of segues into my next question. Um, you know, when you're building a company, how did you learn? I mean, you, you clearly learned the, you know, the, the beginnings of the software piece from your parents, and then I guess, probably a little bit also of the business piece of it. But the but I guess the um, the more nuances of starting your own company, what were the growing pains in the beginning and how did you learn how to get past those, those, uh, growing pains that you went through as when you're trying to build out some Um, well for, for, for a while, one, one thing was, I mean, there's been a lot, obviously one of them was that I wanted to quit actually. Um, that was that was like I was like ah this is not really what I want to be doing and I kind of knew that because what happened was I didn't I really didn't know myself at all I had no idea who I was because basically I was so shut down emotionally I had no idea what I was feeling I was living from the neck up and when you don't have access to your feelings you can't really feel who you are and your intuition and things like that so that was a big process for me and it took me for like a while to get there. And then in 2008, after I've been working with coaches and a spiritual teacher and other things, I kind of had that moment of awakening to my life purpose, which is to combine the spiritual with the practical entrepreneurial, um, you know, the heaven and the earth and masculine, feminine, right brain, left brain, all of that, and really integrate it. And um, so at this point, and that's what led me to create Simplero because I was like, this, what I've learned through, through this, this process is super valuable for every under, other entrepreneur I can think of that I know and basically every other person I can think of that I know. So I really wanted to teach this stuff to other entrepreneurs and that's why I ended up creating Simplero for my own teaching, coaching business. Um, yeah. But so so I already knew that I wanted to do something else and so there was that like pain of like, yeah, I'm still kind of doing this offer but I really want to be out teaching this stuff. And the, the thing that I had that was really saving me was that I had paying customers and not just that they were paying me, but that their livelihoods depended on me. So that that's what kept me going. 
and got me back into really feeling the love and the groove for this thing again whenever I had these moments where I was ready to quit. So I'm very grateful for that because I am someone who would otherwise be willing to throw it out. And I've done that in the past. And, you know, <laughs> it takes time to build things. Right, right. It does. So I, I, I like what you said before about kind of not knowing yourself and then kind of just, I guess, throwing yourself into something that you thought, I don't know, was what you were supposed to be doing, what society would approve of or whatever. You, you went out and you got a coach. What specifically did your coach help you with? And are there any exercises that you can, I guess, share with the audience? Because I'm sure that, you know, this is something that so many people struggle with figuring out, like, what am I actually supposed to do? Where is my passion? Mm -hmm. What's going to make me happy? Are there any kind of, uh, I guess, th things that you did with your coach that you think uh, might help other people? Yeah, something very key that happened was uh, it was literally in February 2008. I sat down and I was like, it's time that I figure out what I truly want to do. And I'd never looked at it. And and so what I did at that point was I looked through all the all kinds of like different books I had and materials and just thought it through it myself. And I was like, what? What kind of questions would I ask a client if a client had this problem? And what I came up with was a list of like maybe 20 or 30 questions. I wish I had that list still today. I don't know where it is. But basically it was like thinking back to my childhood, what kind of activities did I really love doing? And what was, what was I dreaming of when becoming when I was a kid? And what really excited me? And and also like through through high school and college, like what kind of moments really stood out for me as feeling really was feeling alive and engaged and what kind of people do I like to be around that gives me energy? What kind of activities do I like to do that leaves me feeling more energized after? And it was those kinds of questions that really led me to to see um, what I like to be around. And and one of the things that was very clear to me was that, you know, I love computers and I love, uh, you know, learning about them and making them do things, but I never felt uh, comfortable around the other students at computer science or, or people who showed up at these like various industry events and things like that, that I went to, I always felt like this isn't really my crowd. So that was important to, to realize it's not really where I belong. It was, you know, I can make it work, but it's not my environment. Hmm. hmm. Okay. It's a good realization. So how, I guess realizing that, uh, and, and also deciding that you were going to, I guess, stay in that environment, um, with Simplero, are there any coping tactics that you had that helped you, um, I guess <laughs> not quit, not. Well, what I did was not really stay in that environment and just make it into my own. Right. Okay. So, so I would write the software and, and I always liked that. And then I'd just be, you know, um, uh, talking about the things that I wanted to talk about. So my newsletter I don't talk about software and I don't talk about online marketing and these things because it doesn't really interest me. I talk about, okay. you know, the journey of life and the journey as a spiritual entrepreneur and those things. And and most of the time people really love it. I actually got an email this morning. This is the first time ever I've gotten this email, an email from someone who said, like, I'm confused. Why are you writing about this stuff? I, I thought you were going to be telling me tips about how to use Simplero. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> It's not what I do. Right. Going a different direction. Okay. But so, I did when I was in computer science, when I was studying at, at the university, I just always hung out with my friends who were studying biology or various, you know, humanities courses and stuff. And I think it's like that, like for me again, is that like, I really love that kind of computer, you know, writing software is not just a, like a left brain is really is kind of a left brain, right brain kind of thing. But it's for some reason tends to attract a lot of left brainy people maybe i don't know mm -hmm. but like i would go hang out with with other people okay i like that 
So in the process of uh, you developing Simplero, um, how did you, I guess, you know, there's such a, like we talked about before, there's such a crowded market, marketplace out there. There's so many products. How did you figure out how to differentiate yourself? And what was your first, I guess, marketing strategy to stand out in this crowd, really mm-hmm. crowded place of all these different, all these different tools that people are already familiar with? Right. So I started in 2008, nine ish. So it wasn't so crowded back then. Um, I haven't, I mean, my strategy has always been, I, I got to be kind of an expert in, in information marketing and selling, you know, online marketing and, and, you know, information products and all that stuff in Denmark back in 2008, 2009. And I was really excited about it at the time, but then I kind of got bored with it. And so I could have, you know, done a lot of that and, um, it would probably have gotten me some results, but what I realized was that what I really love to do is to create, to make Simplero in, into the best product that I know how to do. And I really love to serve people. That was one of the things that came out of that whole process in February 2008 was like there was a moment when I was a bartender at the parties at, at, at the university. That got me so excited to just be serving that beer in like the most present, attentive way that I could and like totally over deliver on, on presence in that in that job and just be of service and have no just like a selfless or like I guess it's kind of selfish because I really enjoy it but I really enjoy giving good service so that was the two things that I focused on make the best product I know how to make give the best service I know how to do be real with people right in customer service and interactions just be completely real with people and then let them tell their friends about it and see is and see if it doesn't you know take care of things and it has so far we've doubled every year and we're doing super well so Okay, so you so you mainly you've grown organically through word totally. of mouth and things like that. Do you do you do any sort of advertising at all? Or? No, no, really? nothing. That's awesome. No. Yeah, and it's, I mean, for me, is that like what matters to me is that you know I don't have anything to prove here. What matters to me is that the the business works for me and and for the now for the other people who work for me, right? That right. that we're having a good time, and it. I mean, obviously, that is working for our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I'm not out to prove anything. Right. Um, yeah. Cool. So when you first, when you were building the software out, and uh, I guess really trying to make the company go well, did you have any, I guess, fear or doubt about whether you you would be able to be successful? Yeah, but it was it was interesting because like I literally built it to support my own information uh, business, so mm-hmm. so teaching and stuff, and so. Making money from the software itself was kind of a bonus in the beginning. Okay. And then eventually I was like, ah, you know, I needed to, to take a break from that. And then the software was growing. And yeah, sure, there's been there's been lots of doubts and fears uh, along the way. But there's been like very steady, sustained growth. So that always helps. And um, I mean, I, there's been times when there were competitors. I remember one time when I was in, in India and this... One competitor entered the market, and I was like, "Oh my God, we're toast, we're done." And you know, <laughs> it did not impact us at all, like huh. not in any noticeable way. So, huh. yeah, interesting. And I know that you, when you when you launched the company, you haven't taken any investor money, correct? Mm-hmm. So, how did you uh, how did you fund the I guess the company from from the beginning? Well, yeah. So, I mean, I did all the work myself, and then I would do online courses. I do, I do my own teaching. Using okay. the software, and that was it. Okay, and then just find it that way. Do you still yeah. remember your first customer? What that felt like? Yeah. So what happened was that I I um, um, started to I forget. I think I was 
teaching, yeah, so I was teaching other people how to do online marketing. And and then I wasn't I wasn't marketing my own software. I built it so that other people could use it because I was using it with a few other people that I was doing partnerships with. But then people started to say, hey, you know, can I use it too? And I was like, sure. And then I set them up and hey, can I use it too? And then I wasn't charging them anything. And then I told them like at some point I'll probably charge money for this. And, you know, just so, so, you know, and then (laughs) it wasn't until like a year later or something that I, that I, that I actually was like, Hey, all right guys, it's time now. So I'm going to charge you this much. And you know, at this time, is that cool with you guys? And then they're like, sure. So, you know, at that point I was already 20, 20 customers in or something like that. So, yeah, but I do remember the first and some of, some of them are still with me, which is awesome. Oh, nice. So what kind of schedule were you keeping in the beginning? So for, for someone out there who's thinking, hey, I, I have an idea, I want to launch a software company, um, can you give someone a realistic expectation for, and I know every company is different depending on you know the software you want to launch, but what, what kind of schedule, what kind of work, um, I guess, were you really putting in in the beginning? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to think. I mean, it took it took at least two years before I was able to live off of it solely. Um, so that that's, that's worth remembering. Right. And then, um, I'm, I've always been someone who works on my own schedule. So I don't like particularly care if it's a weekday or a weekend day. And, and, you know, I've always been someone who thrives best with, with just an open calendar and, and not, not much in it so that I can structure my day as my energy um, would have me do. I, I, I'm not a crazy work super long hours guy. Cause I just don't see that it's productive. It's more like if I'm in the zone, I'll take a super long day. And sometimes it'll be like a streak of like maybe a week, maybe two weeks where I'm just like, I'm just flowing and I just wake in, up in the morning and go straight to the computer and I just like code and I keep at it and I'm like hungry. And then I'll eat something and then go straight back to it. And and usually what happens at the at the tail end of the, one of these flows is that I'll be so excited about it and love it so much that I'll try to keep extending it, but the energy is not really there, right? So now I'm kind of pushing and forcing. And then comes the crash where I'm like, all right, no, I don't have it anymore. It's it's gone. So and so I try not to do that. I mean, it's really for me, it's all about going with the energy that's there and not trying to push things because it just never works out for me. It's always when I end up making the bad decisions that are going to cost me later. <laughs> right. So how did you uh, how did you make your pricing decisions determining how how to price your product as competitive competitively in the marketplace and has your pricing changed over time? Yeah, um, it has changed some. I looked basically at Shopify. I know I know Toby, the founder of Shopify, from way back in the early days of the Ruby on Rails community, and um, and I thought that they were doing pretty well. I was always I was always really impressed with with how how they did things. He's a super smart dude. So so copied that. After they got funding, they they lowered their prices to go more more aggressively after the market. We changed. A little bit. We haven't really changed our pricing in like th- at least three years now. Um, initially, we had some lower priced plans, and I realized quickly that you know, at those prices, it was very hard to make make a living, especially as it was just me. I was doing everything. I was doing the coding and the customer service, and I was like, you know what? I'd rather have fewer people who are more committed. And and um, and just like then I know that I can invest the, my, the resources into giving good service to the people who are, who show up and who are there, rather than you know charge too little. So um, 
yeah, so we took out some of the lower price plans, but but no, but other than that, it basically hasn't changed for a long time. Okay, so once you realized you had to expand uh, expand the company out, so you weren't the only person working there, how did you make that decision as to figuring out who to hire, uh, and when was the right time to bring on new people? Yeah, it was a very long process for me. I I did hire um, I did hire someone fairly early on. Um, I hired someone to help do customer service and it was somewhat working and I hired, I lived in India for a year and while I was there I hired one guy who uh, wasn't very successful and then I hired another guy who was better but, but, but ended up like not being able to work on such a small team and it was like about two years ago, yeah, in January two years ago, I finally realized, look, I need to crack this. I need to figure out how to make hiring work for me because I can't grow if I keep doing it by myself. I was like looking at Steve Jobs, trying to imagine him creating the iPhone just by himself. I'm like, that's <laughs> not going to happen, right? Right. So, so I was very deliberate and I started to like just talk to a bunch of people and read a bunch of book and, and look into what kind of unconscious beliefs I might have going on or unconscious commitments that made it difficult. Like at one point I realized that I was super scared of hiring another, another programmer who might be better than me because as a kid I got a lot of approval from being good at, at the programming stuff. And so hiring someone else that's going to steal the, you know, my daddy's approval was like, was upsetting to, to the little boy inside. And so working <laughs> through all of that and whatever, like I work with a healer, um, that I have on retainer. And so working on all the energetic blocks that I might have and all that stuff. And it, it took basically a year and a half and a lot of mishires until, uh, about six months ago, last summer, um, everything started to really come together. And incidentally, that was like a, a month or two after I started working intensively with my healers. So I'm like, yay. And, uh, so I have an entirely new team from the past six months and it's just like, it's, they're just kicking ass. It's so amazing. It's really, it's really a, a pleasure to watch. Ah, nice. That's awesome. So how yeah. did you, how did you come up with the name Simplero? Where did that come from? Yeah, that's a great one. So originally I was Zen billing. That was the name of the product. And that came from the, my first product was called computer Zen, which was all about like how to be work with the computers and the software and like instead of making it your enemy and uh, really kind of zen it and judo it and so it was zen billing and i didn't it was zen billing because the first component that i wrote was the billing part because that was the thing that needed to be more different from what else was out there and uh, and then later on i added these other things so a lot of people thought that it only did the billing part and then luckily I got a, a threatening legal letter from my friends who founded a company called Zendesk saying that they thought <laughs> they have the right to the Zen in any kind of software. And I was still small at the time and didn't feel like fighting them. So I just, you know, decided to find a new name. And then um, I work with a numerologist as well. So I've changed my own name with uh, based on numerology and because I didn't like the one I had. And uh, so I talk to my numerologist about like what kind of names to look and then I just it was a long process of several months and just trying a ton of stuff and seeing what dot, dot com domains were available and playing with different words and endings and writing software to test all these things these things up out and come up with combinations that were numerologically valid or viable <laughs> and um and then one day it was like simplero and it was available the dot com was available and I was like, that's it. We're wow. done. 
Awesome. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you what advice would you give to someone who's listening and they have a software idea and they're thinking about developing that? Um, what what should they be thinking about? What should they be preparing themselves for? Uh, is there is there any advice that I guess I guess Absolutely. You, you would give them? The key thing for me is is it like are you is this so important to you that you're willing to stick it out even if there is adversity because there's going to be adversity it it's not going to work chances are it's not going to work as quickly and as easily as you as you think it is right and so so when that turns out to be the case are you willing to just keep at it um, what's this phase the, the the Paul Graham the founder of Y Combinator has wrote an essay and I think it was a title or maybe it's just a pull quote that said no company ever dies mid keystroke. <laughs> the point being that if you keep working on it, eventually you're going to succeed or die. You know, um, it's only when you quit that you fail. So, so pick something that's so important that you're willing to just keep at it, even if it doesn't work until the day you die. And just like you can keep pivoting and, and obviously you might want to think about, whether it's a growing market, that's always helpful. And I mean, obviously, it's got to be something that there's some sort of need for. But it's fundamentally, it's got to be something that is important enough to you to keep at it, even if it doesn't work out. And because that's the key. That's the key. And there's, I mean, almost anything, right, you can find enough customers for in order to make a living. So I like that. It's a big world. Yeah, I think the the perseverance the pushing through uh, challenges and dips and things like that. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. If you're not, not willing to push through those things and you'll, you'll never get there. And, and I, I love what you said about um, just being willing to just do it until you, you die. I, I, um, I watched an interview with uh, an internet marketer named Jonathan Budd and he was talking about how he wasn't, he's like, you know, I'm by no means the best uh, or smartest person. I was just too stubborn to quit. You know, I just <laughs> kept going exactly. and going and going until right. I finally figured it out, you know, um, and just, uh, and, and just never gave up. Exactly. I mean, being an entrepreneur is so demanding that if you're not doing what your purpose is, if you're, what, if you're not following your life purpose, what the hell are you doing doing this? Right. What, right. Uh, what are you wasting your time for? Right. And especially if you're taking investor money and you're hiring people, why are you stringing people, other people along for something that's not your life purpose? It's, that seems a complete waste to me. So I want to talk about some other things uh, that we, we were kind of getting into earlier uh, in the interview, uh, and that was life purpose and, uh, you know, finding abundance. And I know that's something important to you. Um, mm-hmm. from, from that standpoint, um, what advice do you, do you have and what things have you learned uh, that you would like to share uh, to other people that you think would be helpful and powerful and you wish someone had shared with you maybe earlier? Yeah, yeah. Um... I think, I mean, I really think that the, the looking inside is the most important thing that you can do as a human being and especially as an entrepreneur. For me, it was, it took me, I was fighting that idea of, of finding my life purpose or my passion, if you will, that they're not exactly the same, but they're related. Um, I resisted that for a long time. I kind of wanted to, but I was also scared of it. And what I would do is I would keep manufacturing unconsciously these financial crises so that I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to look at that, but not right now. Cause now I got to fight this fire kind of thing. Hmm. And when I finally, it was only when things really broke down around me and it, it got really bad 
um, we'd had our second child and we just bought a house that turned out to be cost three times as much in, in mortgage than we thought because of some some legal thing that was going on and that we thought was going to be changed right around the corner but that turned out to be like not the case and um and um, every project that i was bidding on at the time as a freelancer just fell through and the client that had been providing steady income for me for six years called and said we've outsourced your job to india hmm. and so there's like a, a confluence of a lot of things and i was like all right all right let me sit down and figure out what it uh, what it is that i'm here to do and what I realized after I'd done with that was that I was super scared of it. I was really scared of looking there because I was scared that there might not be anything or that I wouldn't be able to find it or that it would take so long that that it would be irrelevant or or even that I would find what I was really here to do and what my passion was, but I would not like it, which is <laughs> kind of crazy. But that's that was the fear. And that's that's how it works. I mean, back to the coaching stuff is right. It's. I think the most important thing that we can do is to to actually speak out loud uh, or write down what it is that we're afraid of. Because if we if we don't do that, those fears grow bigger inside of our heads. But once you commit them, once you say them to someone else or write them down and you see them, then you can look at them and be like, all right, yeah. All right. So that's not great, but it's not that bad. I would survive. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and follow it through. It's like, what is the worst that could happen? Because what happens is we have all these fears that like, well, what if I write something and people get really upset? All right, then what? Well, then they get upset and maybe they write an you know, evil email back or whatever. And that's it. But in our minds, if we don't go there, quickly it becomes people hate me. I'll not survive. I won't be able to, to eat and now I'm going to die. Like that's <laughs> where our mind goes unconsciously if we don't investigate it. So, yeah. So over, so not over dramatizing the outcomes and uh, creating unnecessary uh, fear. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, but the crazy thing is that the over dramatizing happens automatically and unconsciously. So we need to be conscious and, and specific in order to to stop that in its tracks. Right. Right. Okay. I like that. Well, Calvin, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I think Simplero sounds like a, a great, uh, great software for anyone out there who it's amazing. Is, uh, is, yeah, is, is, <laughs> is struggling with, uh, you know, juggling a lot of different tools and, and, and want something that's, just, that, that's simpler and it works well for them. Mm -hmm. um, so before we go, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you, learn more about your business and um, learn more about your, your TV show and Simplero? Yes. So Simplero, go to Simplero.com, S-I-M-P-L-E-R-O.com. And um, you can get a free trial That's you can stay on that free trial forever. I don't think a lot of other people do this. We don't have like a two week or a 30 day or something like that. We're just like the trial is free forever, but there are certain functions that you can't use a few so that like once you actually start to use it for real, you'll have to pay for it, but you can check it out and play with it and upload your stuff and just, you know, um, check it out and keep that for as long as you want. So do that. Also, I get really good um, feedback on the newsletter there. So so sign up for that on Zimbler.com. And then there's my 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 the show, the Calvin Show. We call it. It's at my website at calvincorelli.com. So you can go there and sign up for the mailing list there and check out the show and let me know what you think. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Calvin, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. That's our show for today. As usual, thanks for listening. Be sure to listen next week. I'll be talking with Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as the other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast, as well as listen to any of the episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www 
www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.